Would you like to avoid becoming a scapegoat in your own life? It's really all about timing, recognizing the signs, knowing when something can be done, and knowing when it's time to run. I'm Davi, the greatest of all time scapegoat. Today on our healing journey, my co-host gives me a much needed reality check, teaches us all how to gather that paper trail of potential hostility, and we discuss sharing vulnerabilities in the workplace. Brilliant or beware? But first, I promised I would reveal my Google search history from May 16th of 2022. So here we go. 10 common symptoms you may be experiencing in your workplace that are considered toxic by industry professionals. Find more at fastcompany.com. Symptom number one, a culture of cronyism. And I want you to remember that word, culture. While going with what you know might feel safe, a culture of cronyism is toxic. Bypassing high performers to promote friends into higher level roles or showing favoritism for some while making targets of others. Positive workplace cultures? Seek out diverse perspectives and foster equitable practices and openness. Number two, structural fear of retribution. If you suspect there's a problem, there probably is, and it will need fixing fast. Leaders need to find time to chat with staff and not wait to be told or begged. The organizational structure should allow open and honest communication without fear of retribution or of tarnished reputations. Number three, troubling behaviors or body language. Reserved team members, disengaged employees, pay attention to negative body language or non-expressive team members. One very frequent symptom that you can observe when you're experiencing a toxic environment is a prolonged period of silence. Healthy teams express themselves, they argue, they talk, they question, they challenge, they call that participating. If none of these things are happening, that's a big red flag on a toxic environmental leader. Number four, no trust between colleagues. Be on the lookout for the absence of trust between employees. This can translate into disrespect between the team members, dysfunctional teamwork, and a lack of commitment to achieve the shared goals. Number five, a lack of confidence in leadership. It's conventional wisdom that people don't leave their job, they leave their boss. And toxic bosses create toxic environments that drive people away. Of course, it's better to catch problems before they get to that level. So keep communication open and make sure your team knows that they can talk to you. When there is retribution for honesty, you are not a trustworthy leader. Number six, tension in the office. A silent office is often a sign of a toxic workplace. Sometimes a quiet office is required, but not all the time. If somebody is never smiling or keeping their head down, not saying much, and when you inquire, they say everything's fine. I have no problems. And there's no real constructive feedback or vulnerable comments to indicate what's really going on, then something is definitely off. You can feel the tension. It's like an elephant in the room, and both need to be addressed immediately. Number seven, nonverbal feedback. This is one of my favorites. Look out for the nonverbal feedback to tell you what's really going on. Eye rolls when someone is speaking. An employee icing out another team member. If people choose not to speak up and communicate their problems, or they say, I have no issues, 
while showing otherwise with their behavior, then you might just have yourself a toxicity problem. Number eight, fear of speaking candidly. If what is said publicly in meetings is generally different from what is shared privately between colleagues, this is a clear indicator of a low trust, toxic culture that is lacking in psychological safety. Number nine, hesitancy to ask challenging questions. If people are not asking questions of their superiors, then you have, perhaps unwittingly, created an organization governed by fear. If your team is guided by fear, then they will be hesitant to try anything new, and all creativity and progress will grind to a halt. When you can't move forward, you can't progress, there's no growth, and nobody's learning, and things start to sound really repetitive really fast. And number 10, uncertain work responsibilities and boundaries. Toxicity becomes possible when employees do not understand where each person's area of responsibility is. Uncertain boundaries lead to chaos, You need to start with structuring by clearly and transparently defining areas of responsibility, policies, and processes. The owners and the entire management team themselves should be a model of ethical behaviors for the whole team. When the management team does not lead ethically, equally, and respectfully, this breeds toxicity within the team. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Davi the Scapegoat. This episode is sponsored by Cozy Earth, who's got two thumbs and lost a lot of sleep from stress last year, but now has brand new sheets made of 100% viscose bamboo, carrying her to dreamland on the softest cloud nightly. This gal. I'm sleeping a whole lot better these days with Cozy Earth sheets and their jammies. It's breathable, temperature regulating, and moisture wicking for the perfect night's sleep. My husband Blair runs cold while I run hot, and somehow I am not tossing and turning and overheating like a sweaty night goblin. And he's curled up all warm and cozy like a kitten. How do they do it? I don't know. Bamboo science. Check out Cozy Earth, luxurious, responsibly produced, bedding in apparel, for your everyday comfy, cozy life. Cozy Earth. And our other sponsor, Revision Design and Renovation. They're helping us update those sagging floors in our vintage home, and they can help you too. You need kitchen, bathroom, basement repair? You need new tile, hardwoods, or carpet renovations? How about you and I both knock a few things off of our home honey-do list together this year? Renovate with me right now and get 10% off with the code DAVI. D-A-V-I. Contact them on Facebook today and give them the code DAVI. It's Revision Design and Renovation, LLC. We are back for part two of Talking Toxic Workplaces with Thomas, featuring our HR rep, Thomas Ryan Lawrence. Don't forget to make your donation to GBA Equality Foundation at the bit.ly link, bit.ly slash Davi Helps Queer Youth. From the moment this episode airs, you'll have until Saturday at 8 a.m. to have your donation matched. Every little bit helps, so donate five bucks before Saturday and you automatically double it to feel twice as good about your generosity today. Now, we're talking toxic workplace symptoms. Thomas, what would you personally say are your top three to five end-all be-all red flags? Like abandon ship, run away, update that resume, I am out. Oh gosh. Um, so personally, I would say you know, definitely the gaslighting, um, the misalignment of like interpersonal relationships, people mm-hmm. acting differently. When you aren't given the room to make a mistake, Mm -hmm. or grow from a mistake. 
those are huge. And then frankly, just lack of support. Like if your leader doesn't care whether you succeed or not, then it's just toxic. <laughs> but there are companies out there that literally as as they are growing and, and adjusting their culture, they're not doing it because they have to. They do it because they want to. And they do it because they see that they have happier employees. Like one of my big things is this whole return to the office. So, and I may piss some people off with this one and that's quite all right. Um, I have never been known to be a people pleaser. I love that COVID brought in this realm of Zoom meetings mm. and virtual workplaces and all of that. Because for years, people have been saying, let me work from home. I promise I can be just as productive. No, no, I don't trust you, even though they never said it that way. Yeah. No, we need to be face-to-face. We need to be a team. Now, with that, I will say there's immense value in meeting face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm not a fan of like 100% remote. Even at the even at the foundation, I fly to New York once a month to have an in-person three-day meeting with our board chair. And I do it because we accomplish more in those three days from a strategy perspective than we could in, you know, two weeks of hour-long Zoom calls. What it does for us is it sets up the next month of execution. Mm. So we have three days of really strong strategy and get literally like two weeks worth of stuff done. And then we get to spend the whole next month executing on it. Um, so I believe in still having face-to-face time, but this whole you have to be in the office from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, five days a week, is frankly, if you're running an organization like that, I'm telling you right now, it's done. Like, I don't care when you get your job done. If I say that your report is due Friday morning, as long as it is in my email before 8 a.m. Friday morning, because we have lives, Mm -hmm. and it's not about work-life balance, because that indicates that something is lacking. Like when I'm doing this, this one has to suffer. Mm -hmm. It's really about work-life integration. And if your job allows, I understand not every job allows, like the awesome people that are stocking our grocery store shelves and delivering our packages, like that is much more difficult for them. But if you look at, you know, your office jobs, your, your marketing, finance, accounting, strategy, things like that, that have the ability to work from home, why do I care if you're doing your job at eight o'clock at night? Yeah. And one of the things that we tell our teams, I don't need to know that you're going to be out of the office for two hours because your daughter has a piano recital. You don't owe me that explanation. You owe me, as your employer, as someone that you work with, you owe me your work product. Yeah. That is it. So go to your daughter's recital. I don't care. Get your report in on time. Communicate with your clients in a professional manner. Don't drop any balls. If you need help, ask for it. You know, we need to be more respectful that people's lives are, we're not living to work, we're working to live. I love that. And those experiences, like one of the things my husband and I decided during the pandemic was we were going to invest a lot more in experiences with our child. So, you know, this year for the holidays, we were trying to figure out what to do. We went to the mountains for a few days with his birth mother and his birth sister. Then we went skiing for a few days and we were in D.C. Like we wanted to show him the monuments and... And we have to give people the flexibility to do that. So it's uh, the workforce itself is changing for the better, in my opinion. And, you know, I think that if you, I know we talked about, you know, some listeners, if they hear the pings of you're in a toxic workplace. On the flip side, if you're a leader and you've heard some (laughs) pings of, oh, shit, I did not realize I might be a toxic boss or a toxic leader 
make a decision to change. You know. Yeah, it's uh, on. It's on you. It's on <laughs> like, you. You, you can certainly you help. You can with do this. better. Yeah. <laughs> So you might be getting some pings from this podcast episode, but if you are ever crying and Googling <laughs> symptoms of a toxic workplace, yeah. and then you get to the first site is like, here's symptoms of a toxic workplace, and you're just like, bam, 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 check, 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 and then you're sobbing like snot bubbles, ugly Thomas crying. You know, like yeah. I, it was not no, cute. I'm... And I was just like, holy shit, I've been ignoring this for so long, and it's just... 110% what's happening. It's and, almost like an abusive relationship. And you sit it there is. defending it because you're like, I've put so much work and history into this. There's no way I've this could be so happening. Hard. And mm -hmm. personally, and we're gonna, I'm going to ask you about mental health in a little bit yep. in the workplace because yeah. we do, we should be talking about that. But also the past couple years have taught me that maybe being vulnerable with that kind of stuff is not what you should be bringing to the table at work. But you're going to coach me out of that because I am just being paranoid and scared right now. But I went my whole life not knowing, oh, this isn't depression. This is just ADHD. And now that I've got those therapies in place, I'm doing so much better and things were so great. But there is this thing with ADHD where you have hyperfocus. Mine is hyperfocus. And sometimes when, especially with injustices, like even though it was states away, you know, I can look at something and be like so affected and so bothered and I want to do so many things to fix it because it's so unfair. Mm -hmm. And you can't always be that person and it sucks really bad when it's not states away, it's right in the room with you and you can't advocate for yourself because you're seen as passive aggressive or bitchy or they call you toxic and you're like, I'm literally trying to advocate for myself because this is an injustice and I cannot get past it until we all have some mediation and someone has officially lost their temper and I just googled what are the symptoms and I got 16 can we please communicate about this I'm always going to remember on May 16th remember when I googled toxic workplace <laughs> symptoms and then a month later I was fired I'm always going to remember that and it's not lost on me that that is how you know, my brain came to learn this and then go, but we can be better. That's not us. Those yeah. symptoms are not us. We can be better. We can do this. Yeah. But like you said, the, there's no growth if somebody doesn't want to change. And it was made out to me as, what do you want me to do about the culture of this studio? <sighs> and I say, well, I think you could tweak the culture of the studio a little bit to where there is not a scapegoat in this situation. Mm -hmm. So I always thought being vulnerable is what made me more likable mm -hmm. on the show. It, it was great for people to hear because people bringing that kind of stuff to the table and being vulnerable erases the stigma. But I almost felt like it was then used and weaponized against yeah. me. So definitely going to touch on the mental health in the workplace. My opinion just as an HR person, someone who's dealt with mental health, and just from listening to your previous podcast and this conversation, and this will this might be hard to hear, hmm. you weren't in the right place. Mm -mm. It could have happened differently, your exit, that is. You didn't need to be there anymore. And I think that's 
it felt injustice, angry, sad, yeah. angry, sad, angry yeah, yeah, at yeah. first. Because it didn't happen the way it should have. Yes. And it's like, right? oh man, everybody else gets to say goodbye. Like I just watched on Saturday Night Live, Cecily Strong. Yeah. Got to say her goodbyes and I was a wreck. Yeah. And I still think about it. And I'm like, that's how it's supposed to be. So you're 100% right. Yeah. And it's. And I've come to that realization, like just in the last couple, I mean, the new year and going, look at this series of events, look at how they handled it and look at how the people that were getting away with the injustice Mm -hmm. were acting towards you. That was not sustainable to survival anymore. Yeah. For you as a person. Yeah. Um, And better things are coming for you. Like I I have seen... um, I've seen this happen with an individual, and I'm not going to get into specific details, but um, they were a partner in a company. They got forced out. At the time, it was exactly what you're talking about, right? That that blow of, like, they built it with these partners, and for a very um, shitty reason, got pushed out by the board of directors. And at the time, again, it, it was an awful situation. I have seen that person flourish and grow and succeed and just be effing amazing over the last decade. And when I look back at their old partners, Mm -hmm. they're in the same fucking spot. Same same spot. Sitting there doing the same thing with the same crew-ish results. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, on the opposite end of, quote, failure is thriving finding yourself like i'm not confused about my role anymore yeah. i'm not drowning anymore <laughs> right i am very comfortable now and i am um and i love making all of these new friendships and learning so much about different businesses by no means do i want to scare people away with right. you know had a tumultuous year um so i am a little bit like paranoid and reserved i don't want to come off guarded in my new workplace Mm -hmm. being that i'm going to be a little bit more protective of my mental health myself what kind of conversations do you have with employees and even people that you're coaching at the nonprofit with how much of themselves to reveal or just be 110 percent yourself and and if it's not the place for you, you're going to find out. Yeah. So w- we strive for full authenticity, right? Yeah. In, in an ideal world where we're working alongside an organization that embraces, uh, there, there's an alignment between our core values as an individual and the core values of that company. Um, when it comes to mental health, it's been tricky. I, this is something I've dealt with. Dealt with anxiety most of my adult life, on and off. Never, ever wanted to go on um, a particular type of medication, an SSRI, because it's one that if you go on, you have to, like, wean yourself off if you don't like it. So as someone with anxiety, you giving me a pill and telling me that if you don't like it, you cannot stop taking it cold Mm -hmm. turkey gives me anxiety. It's, right. But during the pandemic, I finally broke down. And it was one of those, like what you were talking about, which was very surprising because I'm not typically a crier, but I'm on a video chat with my doctor and I'm like ugly crying Mm -hmm. and I'm just like falling apart. So I go on the SSRI. One of the side effects of it, and it's all very random, it happens a lot in cars and for some reason, more so in Zoom meetings, I excessively yawn. I did that too. Weirdest thing ever. I'd go to work out and I could not. Right. So I'm on these Zoom calls and I was on one uh, with my husband because we have a consulting company together and he's in his office, I'm in mine. 
he can see me fighting back the yawn, right? Yeah, and you're d- like, I'm the one that I'll like take a drink or something while I'm yawning, and um, I'm just I'll clench my jaw, right. but I can I know that my big ass eyeballs are giving it away. I'm like everybody can see him watering up and trying to. And we're on with that client, and he goes, "Baby, just yawn." Oh my god, he called you I, out. Oh, he totally called me out. He totally called me out. But no, what? Like- I, and I said in that moment, I was like, "I'm so sorry." I'm on an anti-anxiety medication. It makes me yawn. And it was seeing the looks of like almost relief. Okay. And then it sparked. It was like, oh, what are you on? How many milligrams? So now I just own it. Like if I'm on with a potential Q plus workplace and I yawn and it's one o'clock in the afternoon, I try to make a joke out of it. I'm like, I apologize. I'm not tired. You're not boring. It's a side effect of my anti-anxiety medication. Okay. And we roll on. Um, That's um, that's amazing because I would instantly be like, <laughs> like I'd get off the Zoom call and I'd be like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck, I was yes. just freak out because I'd be like, I just TMI'd the whole meeting, like I just no, too much. I just roll right past everybody's it gonna. That's yeah. how we normalize it. Yeah, right? is is talking about it. And I will say this again: this is my privilege showing. When I first started taking Zoloft, um, anyone out there who's ever started an SSRI, you know the first two weeks are hell. Mm-hmm. Dizziness, nausea, da 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 da. I went to my partners and said, "Look, I, I would like text someone. I'm like, I gotta lay down. Mm-hmm. I, I just I can't. Like, I'm not being functional right now. I know it's gonna pass. Everything I read online said, don't stop, push through. And generally, it is like two weeks, yeah. and then you're after right around like the two weeks, 13, 14 days. You're like, good morning, like, right. ping, like ping. I, I'm hey, alive hey. again. So, what I'd like to see out there for any of you leaders, managers, HR professionals is open that door to your employees and understand that. Without you cracking the door, chances are they're not going to come to you because they're afraid of the stigma yes. of what it might place. And just make a statement that, you know, mental health is just as important in our organization as physical health. If you are starting a new medication or, you know, adjusting current medication, you don't need to share your diagnosis. You don't need to share the medication. Just come to us and say, I need a mental health accommodation for a few days, whether that means working from home, whether it means being able to cut out and take a two-hour nap. I know some offices have, like, these cool little nap areas with beanbags in them. Um, Whatever it is, open up that door to where your employees can tell you what they need without violating their personal confidentiality. Okay. Like, don't pull the, you can ask for an accommodation if, but I need to know why. Like, that's one of the things that drives me crazy with PTO, I see people like they request personal time business. off yeah. and they're like, well, why do you need time off? Well, it's personal, yeah. bitch. That's yeah. why it's called PTO. <laughs> personal time bitch. off. Not inform my boss time off. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say the biggest thing about mental health in the workplace is simply talking about it and giving your employees and your teams, letting them know that they're in an environment that is safe, that they're not going to be dinged if they ask for an accommodation. Um, and, and that... That's how we create an inclusive environment too, mm-hmm. right? We just we talk about it. Yeah. And being inclusive is making sure that everyone that's affected by a decision when possible has a seat at the table. Got it. So if you're let's say you're a large corporation and you've got, I don't know, all these different hierarchies, everything from corporate level down to manufacturing, it doesn't hurt to bring someone from the factory in to sit at the table when you're talking about certain inclusion initiatives. Mm -hmm. How can we be more inclusive? Well, how do you know how to make your factory more inclusive if you don't have someone from the factory there? That's you deciding from your ivory tower 
what you think they need. So the more we bring people to the table, the the more inclusive environments we can just naturally create. If they are leaning into the stigma of it, mm-hmm. you don't need to diminish some of yourself. It's probably not the place for you. Not necessarily. So here's the thing. Authenticity is a very individual and personal thing. Yeah. So I know people who are on SSRIs um, or some other form of antidepressant or anti-anxiety pill that just aren't vocal about it. Like, as a rule, they don't want other people to know their business, mm-hmm. right? So for them, it's a non-issue. It's not, if I don't tell my boss, I'm not being authentic because their authentic self is, this is my personal business, Yeah. right? And I used to be that way until I started having side effects that I felt like were portraying <laughs> something that I didn't like, like I'm bored with this conversation <laughs> or I'm just, yeah, I'm a 40-something-year-old guy that was up till 2 a.m. and I'm yawning in a one o'clock meeting. No, that did not happen. So... I feel comfortable talking about it. Okay. If you're someone who doesn't feel comfortable talking about or exactly in your case, in the beginning, when you started and you were finding the right mix for you, you were being your authentic self and that it wasn't something you were ready to share. When you got to the point of saying, I'm now ready to share this, mm-hmm. that should have been just accepted for what it is. Thank you for sharing. I mean, I know that supposedly, allegedly in that industry, you're supposed to bring traumatic personal stories to the table every week because <laughs> god forbid you have a week where all is good in your life and you're happy yeah we know how much people hate that yeah but it's your choice to share that in the workplace and that's again going outside of your industry because your industry is so niche and in office place the reason that i say talk about it more in the workplace to normalize it is so that when you need that accommodation or your coworker needs that accommodation, there's that comfort level to say, this is what I need. This is what I need to be the best employee I can be right now. I need to work from home so that I can lay down and take a nap when I need to lay down and take a nap. And I'm still going to get my work product done. I'll have all my deadlines. Yeah. Like, don't, you know, don't yell at me until I'm emailing you at 8 a.m. on Friday going, I had a question, and then I can get this to you by noon. You know, and when you're like, I wanted it at 8 a.m. on Mm -hmm. Friday, you knew your deadline. Like, now I can't trust you because you're asking me questions, like, at 3 in the morning. That's the whole purpose of accommodations in the workplace, is making accommodations so that people can be their best self and can bring their best self to work. If we try to put everyone into this box of, you know, okay, Davi, you need to do your best work from nine to five. That's it. That's the that's corporate culture. Then I would say, as Davi, that's not the place for me. Because sometimes Davi is kicking ass at 11 o'clock at night. You know, they're just sometimes the brain. Yeah. There are days at the foundation where I'm sitting there staring at my computer screen for an hour, and I'm like, I know I've got this thing I need to do, and it's just my brain just isn't doing it and then I'm like cleaning up the dishes at dinner and all of a sudden that thing pings and there I am at my desk at 9.30 and like my fingers are just going just like little Wednesday Adams at her typewriter (laughs) just killing it yeah oh man well I I feel like I've learned a lot and I've got listeners emailing (laughs) a lot of people deal with this and I've personally seen this the transgression instead of emailing that person or approaching that person like the manager instead of going straight to them and being like you need to work on this they yell at the whole group and I sit there with anxiety brain going maybe it's me am I not talking enough is it me and then I try to compensate and they go no you you're fine you talk too much and I'm like well then why did I get that email like we all know you're talking about this one person Mm -hmm. this one person that doesn't talk a lot 
And I don't understand why you aren't. And people are like, this happens to me at work. They never address the problem. They address the room. And then everybody's confused. And then there's resentment towards yeah. that one person. It builds Because they're getting away with it. And it's, it, isn't it always funny how it's that one person? So you're sitting there being like, oh, my gosh, is it me? Am I doing this? Yeah. But it's always they that one person that's like, oh, it's not me. They must be talking Definitely about. Definitely not me. Yeah, they're talking about Blair over there, that bitch. <laughs> yep. That's, <laughs> the, and it, they, they're the ones who never get it. That's um, generally what people are writing me. They're like, how do I, how do I kind of like reframe this with my boss where I don't come off bitchy, but I'm pointing out if it's not me, I don't need to be CC'd on this. And I'm like, I don't think there's any way you can. So first of all, not coming across bitchy is not something that I excel at. (laughs) I'm asking the wrong person. This is not a strong suit for me. Um, Thanks for being honest. Yeah. However, there is a way that you can. So first of all, you don't want to say. I call it speaking efficiently, but people call it bitchy. Yeah. So here's the deal. Um, Don't ever tell your superior not to copy you in on an email. Okay. If they want to copy you in on an email, let them copy you in on the email. And if you believe it doesn't apply to you, then that's an opportunity to foster an honest conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, You could either reply back or have a one-on-one. Again, I'm always a fan of documenting things. Mm -hmm. But if you were to say to reply back and be like, hey, I'm looking for additional coaching based on this email. Tell me what I can do differently. You get back a response that says, it wasn't directed at you. Mm Mm-hmm. That's, yes, then, that's how I would do I it. Then I would reply back and say, oh, thanks so much for letting me know. I was worried. You know I never want to disappoint the company, the team, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And say, I feel like I know who it's directed at. Would it be possible? Can I request that you have a one-on-one with them? Because mm. I'm noticing the same behavior and it's making me uncomfortable. Got it. So now what you're doing is you're actually laying the foundation that you have notified your supervisor that this other person's behavior is making you uncomfortable. Your supervisor now has a duty and a responsibility to address that inappropriate behavior Hmm. one-on-one. Okay. And if it doesn't happen, if it continues, you have the right to follow up. Let's just say it's three weeks later. You always want to, like, don't follow up 24 hours later. Don't be that person, right? People are busy. Let's give them time to accomplish things. But you now have the opportunity to say three, four weeks later, if the behavior hasn't changed, I would go back to that same email thread, hit reply, and be like, hey, boss, I just wanted to follow up on my request for you to talk to so-and-so. The behavior has not gotten better, and it continues to make me feel uncomfortable. Nice. So, okay. and then from there, if if nothing happens, um, go to HR. If you because have it, one. If you have one. <laughs> uh, because here's the deal. If you inform your employer that someone else's behavior is making you uncomfortable, you give them a chance to address it, they don't. You inform them again that mm-hmm. the behavior is continuing to make you feel uncomfortable, and they don't. You are They are now contributing to a hostile work environment. And frankly, that's illegal. So I am not an employment law attorney. I won't take it any further than that. But I will say we all have the right to go to work every day, be our authentic selves, not be bullied, not be shamed, not be made to feel badly for who we are as long as we're doing the job that we were hired to do. It should be that easy. 
it should be. It should be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that if it were, the entire HR profession would just collapse. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it sucks that it's not that easy. It's funny. It's one of the things I've always said because I've spent the majority of my career working for the rights of LGBTQ people. Mm-hmm. You know, the all the years with the gay community, Yellow Pages and Gayborhood, obviously focusing on the consumer side and now getting into the student and youth side as they enter the workforce. And it's always been a double-edged sword because if true equality, like just one day, SNAP existed, how freaking awesome would that be? But I got to find a new job. Yeah. And, you know, I would I would give, I would make that sacrifice if that would happen. But, oh. you know, we've been fighting for racial equality for how long? And we still don't have that. Yeah. So I'm not super optimistic. Well, and I will say this. I've been so fortunate. Again, you know, the foundation is fairly new. We launched officially in July of 2022. And the feedback and response that we've had has been incredible. You know, like I said, December alone, we brought on close to 40 new partner schools. Um, We are gearing up for that next big graduation cycle. So May 2023, we're bringing on new Q plus workplaces every day. Um, So the... It's exciting to see that people are getting it. Yes. And they understand that this is a problem. And they understand, you know, the number of smaller companies that I've talked to that are like, I wish we would get a transgender applicant because we want to have that diversity, but we think that they're just scared to come in because we only have 30 or 40 employees. So they don't they don't think that they're going to be in an inclusive environment. Got it. So we're really working hard to provide those services and, and really foster what we call that Q plus equality. Q plus. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Well, you're helping so many people. Again, we're speaking with Thomas Ryan Lawrence. He is the founder and executive director of GBA Equality Foundation. And you guys are seeking advisors to volunteer with the program right now, right? We are, yes. So we have our advisor program, which are um, entrepreneurs, business owners, professionals, even, even young professionals that are willing to just, on an individual basis, donate their time back to queer youth. So this would be leading either small group discussions, um, larger like Zoom fireside chats on specific topics, um, just really being there to, to help mentor queer youth along. Atlanta needs that like wholeheartedly and you're you're helping create opportunities, comfortable opportunities and fulfilling careers for a lot of people that desperately need it right now. First and foremost, um, like I said, we're, we're looking for more Q plus workplaces. So if you are someone that works at an organization that you know would be interested in supporting our mission by hiring queer youth or even interviewing queer youth, um, please go to our website. It's gbaequality.org. Again, that's gbaequality.org. You can click on workplaces, fill out the form, and someone from our team will contact you with more information on becoming a Q-plus workplace. As I was talking with our board of directors, um, we have a donor who is a fan of Davi and was super excited to hear that I was coming on to talk about HR stuff and and her giving us the opportunity to plug and promote the foundation. This donor is going to match all donations that come in up to $10,000. So we are like super excited. That is amazing. We have a bit.ly link because that's easier. Mm -hmm. So bit.ly, if you're not familiar with it, it's B-I-T dot L-Y. And then slash Davi helps queer youth. Time is of the essence. Give them the link one more time to go donate right now. Absolutely. It is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash Davi helps queer 
youth. Let's do it, guys. Let's make them so much money. Let's get this generous, anonymous benefactor to match it. And it's (laughs) going to be so great for this organization. I'm so excited. A dollar for dollar match in the nonprofit world is it's an incredible opportunity for us. It is literally free money. Please help us with that. So make sure you go to that link and donate today and support Let's get some inclusivity, man. Yeah. We've been talking about it so long. If you still don't think that it's that important, then you're at the wrong podcast. <laughs> like, what can I tell Scroll you? Roll on over to somewhere else. It is very important. <laughs> we need to normalize some conversations. We need to be supportive and we need to be inclusive. And I can't wait to see how much money we raise. I know. I'm so excited. This is I'm awesome. So, thank you so much. It thank has been you. so awesome being here with you It today. was super cool to talk to you finally. <laughs> and you're just a wealth of knowledge. I know you say, don't come to me for the appropriate response <laughs> right but you got it in there we got well, it Well, you know what people need to also be told in a way that they understand and half the yes. people like don't understand what the hell hr is talking about half mm-hmm. the time so you know we got to talk about it on a people level well sometimes i think of you guys as like this anomaly alien where i'm like you can deal with such disrespect and then just like the most professional thing comes out of your mouth but it's nice to know that yeah. like initially you as an hr rep will read something and go what the fuck you know? yeah, oh yeah but oh. then your response is like hello in the future yes <laughs> oh, like, oh, going ab- forward can we talk about there's I love a whole that. series of things on tiktok of like hr rep here's this and this is the re- <laughs> and here's this, this here's the response in their head first and then this is what we actually say in an email need to my be last like email yeah. bitch why didn't you read my last email <laughs> Teach me your ways, because I cannot. I got to get there. <laughs> Anytime. I uh, can't wait to have you back, Thomas. Thank you for coming by. And Absolutely. please ki- give your, your son a hug. I, I understand that nine-year-olds are my perfect demo. That's the sweet spot for me, and they yep. love me. But <laughs> please give him the biggest squeezy hug I and will. your husband, and I can't wait to have you back. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I can't wait. This was so fun. It was. Donate money. Right now. Go no, do it right no, no, now. No, no. Please. Hurry up. <laughs> Got workplace-related questions you want answered by our HR representative, Thomas Ryan Lawrence? He's not just human resources. He's goat resources, too. <laughs> Send your questions to us directly. DaviCrimmins.com forward slash contact. Come back next week. And don't forget to give Davi the scapegoat a five-star review. Maybe you'll think twice before you will try.